You guys, please stand with me as we read our memory verse for June, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You guys can be seated. I think it's a great memory verse for this series, for this month, as we continue to think about family. You know, family can be one of those things that somehow, some way, we begin to worship more than we even worship our good God in heaven. And so it's a good reminder to keep our minds focused on him. There are times when we're doing the sermon series and Andrew and I talk through them and he and I decide, you know, hey, you preach this one, you preach this one, and we go back and forth. And um, this, uh, this topic this morning that we're going to be preaching on uh, is one that is pretty, I don't know why he did this to me, I'm blaming him, I think I said yes though, uh, pretty personal to me. Uh, as was the last one uh, dealing with siblings, but um, I don't I don't share a lot about uh, how I how I grew up and the home in which I grew up. I, I let you know a few things here and there, but um, I had a I had a father um, that just was not a good guy. Um, when my mom was pregnant with me, um, he was in a car accident. My father was. He goes to the hospital, and my wife, my mom is waiting there with him. And a lady shows up and uh, is asking to see her fiance, which was my father. The first black eye I ever saw was on my mother. It was given to her by my father. The first time I remember going to the hospital was because I dropped a, uh, dropped a football that was being thrown to me, and I got disciplined for that. One of my first memories of going to church, I remember being dressed up in a little maroon outfit it was a suit of some sort and I could see myself in a in this uh, doorknob it was a golden doorknob and uh, it was our front door there were three windows I can I can still remember this and I I remember looking in the doorknob and I could see myself I was just at the right height where a reflection would come back and I remember getting ready to go to church and could see the stitches that were across my head that I had received because of dropping said football. Sometimes, regardless of how bad you want something to work out, it doesn't. I appreciated what Pastor Andrew's sermon did for us last week. 
And the reminder that divorce is not the unpardonable sin. A reminder, Matthew 12, 31 through 32, therefore I tell you every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. For those of you who know or are a part of blended families, which, if we were to be 100% honest, we all are. We're a family right here. We just talked about that. This is a pretty blended group of people. A ton of experiences. um, A ton of background. And we all gather together as a family. I love the beauty of that when we get to do it on the first Sunday of each month here at Grace. We come together around the Lord's table to remember our Lord's sacrifice that unites us all. When you think about this idea of family and this idea of broken marriages that just don't work and broken families that don't work and the reasons they may not work. Um, I want you to understand, I think there is a lot of grace that needs to be given. Um, a lot of a lot of understanding, a lot of love. But for those who are going through those things, they have to learn how to deal with the past. They have to learn how to deal with the past. And it's something that we talk about this morning. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Jesus reminds us, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As you deal with the pain, as you see people dealing with the pain, the sting, the guilt that is felt from broken marriages... You need to hear the words and you need to share the words of our personal Savior, a relational Savior. He says, come to me. It's a personal invitation. The invitation is not just this historical fact of like, well, yeah, of course Jesus is saying, come to me. No, he's saying personally, come to me. All who labor, all who are heavy laden, refers to those who were being oppressed by the burden of legalism imposed on people by the scribes and the Pharisees. And we know what that's like, don't we? Those of us who have been in blended families, those of us who come from broken homes, we know that sting. I know the sting of being told, no, I can't play with certain kids because of who my father was. When dealing with those in broken marriages, People say all kinds of things. Maybe they think they're trying to help. Maybe, maybe they're just mean, and that's a possibility. Whatever the case, I, I would encourage you to hear the words of our Lord when he says, come to me. 
when he invites the labored and the heavy laden. You feel this weight from this hurt. You feel this weight. You feel this burden. You feel there is no way to get out from under it. You feel broken. And Jesus says, come to him. So why do we go to him? Because he continues. There will be rest for your souls. You find rest and forgiveness from your sins. You find freedom and relief from the legalistic burdens some place upon you. You find the escape from the mounting pressure of guilt from trying to earn your way back to God and earning your salvation through your good works. No, can't happen. We go back to him. The weight of guilt due to the past sins and broken promises and they're just heavy. And then when they're compounded by the sister Bertha better than yous, it can just be absolutely torture. Once again, Jesus isn't throwing a party about getting divorced. That's not what's going on. He also isn't saying that you're not worthy. He's also not saying that, that you don't still matter. This feeling of guilt that many live with leads us to a couple of places that need to be dealt with. And this is whether you're struggling from a broken marriage, a broken friendship, a broken promise to God. But there's some things you have to deal with. You, you will... Uh, for a time, specifically dealing with broken marriages, you need to find time to grieve that lost relationship. Grief is a good thing. Listen to how Solomon describes it in Ecclesiastes 7, 1 through 4. He says, a good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better Get this, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. A good name like precious ointment, and we all desire that, and, and this precious ointment would have been very valuable in Israel. And we desire that good name. But sometimes things don't work out the way we want them to. And so then this wise writer, Solomon, tells us something that's totally countercultural to, to our way of thinking. He says things like this, a day of death is better than a day of birth. Doesn't sound right to us. But what the wise writer is helping us understand is while bereavement is painful, it is often a better prod to growth than celebration can be. 
It can actually lead to spiritual maturity. It can lead to wisdom. And you should grieve your sin. You should grieve your broken relationship. You should grieve the loss of your family. But don't stay there. We grow from it. The grief and guilt that we feel should lead us to just one place. Repentance. 2 Corinthians 7.10 For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. The idea the Apostle Paul is giving the church in Corinth is there are two ways to grieve. Godly and worldly. Godly grieving leads to repentance and of one's sins. Worldly grieving leads to death or divine judgment. I think the best example we can find in Scripture is the example of Peter and Judas. Right? Judas had worldly grief. He was remorseful. He was sorry. Peter had godly sorrow and grief. One was remorseful, Judas. One was repentant. And there's a difference. God's desire is for us to repent and, re- and turn to him. If you have not done that, if you've gone through a broken Marriage, if you've gone through broken family, if you've gone through broken relationships, if you know people who are, who are going through that, first and foremost, repent. Turn to him. Allow him to be the guiding force of your life. Before you enter into another relationship, That needs to be the relationship taken care of first. Once you've dealt with the past, so many times we go, oh, let let me think about what's going to be next. If you've dealt with the past, you've entered into a new relationship, you have remarried, you are in a new family, what's very important now is to deal with the present. Deal with the present. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Making the best use of time. It's translated from the Greek word exorgarzio, which also means redeem or purchase. Christians, when we must constantly redeem every moment we have. The, the ones right in front of us. The ones with the opportunity that are right in front of us. Every Christian to walk as wise and not wise. Whether you're in a, in a blended family or just part of this crazy church family we have here, we should constantly be looking for the opportunities that are in front of us. In families, we we are so often worried about what's next. 
And, and that's not always bad. However, we should, we should not find ourselves just chastising our children for past mistakes or pushing them only to the future or being so concerned about the future with, with what our family is going to look like that we neglect to see what's right in front of us right now. And the same can be said of our spouses, that many times we get caught up in uh, maybe something in the past or something that will affect our future, that we forget the importance of just a gentle touch, a kind word, right now, in the present. We can find great wisdom in how our family should work right now. whether they are blended family or not. I just want to look at Colossians 3, 18 through 21 and just walk through a little bit about what Paul is addressing here. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. One of the things we see here that's, that's quite evident is God's intention of the family. Wives, husbands. Wives, husbands. That's it. So as we break it down, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for the Lord, in the Lord. Today we see this word as, as kind of, we look at it and we go like, ooh, gosh, I don't really want to talk about that. It's in scripture, let's talk about it. So um, understand that Paul uses the word submit here, which the Greek word is hypotazo. Instead of obey, which is hypokoo. On this Roman colony, the typical thought would be obey no matter what. Paul not only says submit, but gives the, the caveat as is fitting in the Lord. This is not blindly doing whatever your husband says. However, there is an order to which God gave Men are to lead their families in a godly manner. Ladies, you got to let them lead that way. If you're constantly calling him out specifically in front of your children or stepchildren, stop it. Wait to have those conversations until you're alone. Once again, don't just do whatever he says. That's not what this is about, without, especially in, you know, with no regard to, to yourself or, or, or to your children's well-being, specifically spiritually. But I hope, ladies, you are providing your husband an opportunity to lead well, regardless of your family being blended or not. Husbands, Love your wives 
Don't be harsh with them. Once again, contextually in Roman culture, there was a tendency for men to just be jerks. They would rage against their wives and treat them, as Pastor Andrew pointed out last week, almost like property. Not almost, like property. For the most part, we know this, men are stronger, they have deeper voices, louder voices, and in this cultural backdrop, men would use harsh words, threats, and even physical violence against their wives. I'm going to be 100% clear on this. Can't miss this. No place, no place, men, for that in a Christian household. None. Men, we're called to a higher calling. When we say I do to the woman we marry, we're called to love them how? You know this, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Chitlins, y'all thought you might be getting off on this, but you're not. Paul writes, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Stepchildren, I want to just talk to you real quick. The step-parent you have is not to be disrespected at all. And I know you didn't ask for it. You didn't ask for it at all. You didn't ask for any of this. But as a Christ-centered family, you should listen and obey your parents, whether there's an added adjective or not. Paul's not advocating for children to obey, once again, with no regard to what is being asked. And we have to be careful about that because, unfortunately, there are some sick individuals out there that prey on wounded souls to get at their children. The scriptures do not advocate adults taking advantage of children. But it does advocate for children to be loving and kind and gentle. And we should do that as kids. As a stepkid, that was something I did. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Parents, particularly fathers in this passage, here's something. Just be nice. Be kind. When dealing with these stepkids, it's hard. I had a horrible father. Not trying to be disrespectful, but he was not a good father. I had a great stepdad. I had a great stepdad. I remember first meeting him, and he was playing a guitar. And uh, I said, Oh, play guitar. He's like, Elvis Presley taught me how. I'm like, He picked up my little cap guns. I'm sure you can't imagine me or Pastor Andrew, either one, having little cap guns at four and five years old. But he started, like, doing these spins with these cap guns and, like, you know, all these, like, tricks with the guns. And I'm like, how'd you, how'd you learn to do that? Roy Rogers taught me how. I'm like, you know him personally? I, like, thought. So 
Am I saying stepdads lie? That's not what I'm saying. But have some fun with your, have some fun. Have some fun. I loved playing cards with my, with my dad. We played Rook. I don't know if any of you guys remember that game, but we loved to play Rook. I loved to go to work with him. Uh, one of the things I looked forward to in the summer was he, he had uh, this job as a night watchman. So, so my dad owned a body garage, and he would work there during the, during the day, come home, take a quick nap, and then go work at a horse farm as a, as a night watchman. And in the summertime, I got to go with him. And uh, we would drive around these horse farms, and he, I always got to take my BB gun. And he's like, the, yeah. he was also kind of a jokester. So he told me, there's a rabbit over there. I see the, gosh, forgive me, DNR. Uh, but anyways, there was, a, there was a, I saw the, the eyes, so I shot this uh, rabbit that was a skunk, and he just laughed and thought it was great. Um, yeah, he's quite a character. We had fun. My love for work, and I do, I, I enjoy work, came from him. My love for fishing. Uh, my stepdad was a lot. My love for hunting. Um, my last day I spent with my stepdad. He died when I was 13, was spent on the lake fishing. I didn't fish for about five years, but that's about all I could handle, not doing it. What I'm telling you is you can be a great blessing. You can be a great blessing as a step-parent. I had it. Father, not so good. My stepdad was my dad. Find out what they're interested in. Be kind. They didn't ask for it. If I were to be honest with you, my, my hope was always that my father and my mom would have worked out. That was always my hope. But I was blessed because of second chances. More than that, the one who began my journey to a relationship with God was him. He loved the church. He loved Jesus. And he pushed us to that. I didn't always want to go, probably because of the drug problem I had. He drug us to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, so there was that. I didn't really have a drug problem, right? understands that, right? Okay. Last note here on, on this idea of being a step-parent. You're the adult. You're the adult. You shouldn't respond to your child in the same way they're responding to you. They're hurting. If your child responds negatively, just love them. I'm not telling you to let them walk all over you. That's not what I'm saying either but you don't respond in kind. As you continue to grow your family through these day-to-day -day activities um, and you start growing closer and closer together, 
Now let's be concerned about the future and the most important things about that future. First Chronicles 16.11. Something for all of us. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. At the end of the day, <clears throat> at the end of our time on this earth, only one thing will matter. Who's in heaven and who's not? This passage of scripture from 1 Chronicles reminds us to continually seek his presence. If you want a good home, blended or not, if you want a good family, here you go. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Not relying on your strength, not relying on your wisdom, but his. His presence is more important to your home than anything. I believe the greatest call that we as parents have in this life is to create an environment where Jesus can be known. This relationships, these relationships we get to have with our spouses, our children, our stepchildren, need to look as though um, we really believe what Scripture says. Here's a good way to be concerned for your kids, your spouse, and their future. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 tells us, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Step parents, I mean, I've said this statement a lot. Um, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's not just catchy. It's not just easy to remember. There's truth behind that statement. When we put on the virtues of Christ, such as compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, those we do life with will see a genuine concern that you have for them. We do those things under the love of Christ so that we can point or nudge those we are closest to with to Jesus. I think we need to be clear on this as Christ followers. That every relationship we have should be working to that end. Every relationship we have should be working to that end. That we point someone or nudge them closer or help them grow in their relationship with God. Every single relationship we have. A lot of people these days are talking about how to make the world a better place. The only answer, the only answer is when Jesus comes back, this world's going to be pretty awesome. 
But many say, Let, let's, let's begin with relationships with no motives. I can't. I can't do that. And I can't advocate for that either. Every relationship we have ought to be with the hopes of encouraging people in their walk with Christ or to begin one. That can't be any more true than in a family relationship. We should be preparing our spouses, our children, and our friends to meet God on judgment day. We do that because we love them. We don't love by telling everyone that they are right. We love by telling the truth. We, but we do it with some compassion, just as Jesus did. And we too should be concerned about how to love our family so they will have the best opportunity to have a relationship with God, to once again create the environment where Jesus will be known. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family, get this, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God loves the family. He ordained it. His personal interest is so great that he names families. This thought that Paul is sharing um, was because of his ministry to the Gentiles. You think about that. Everyone thought that God, God's chosen people only, this is the only part of, of God's family is Israel. And he's like, no. For this reason, Paul, minister to the Gentiles, is going to show just how much God loves the family. The personal care that our great, big, wonderful God has for every family unit. Whether it's blended or not. And how it breaks the heart of God when they fail. But we do praise him that he's a God of second chances. His desire is for you to know him. For your family to know him, to know him personally. And the first question you got to answer is do you? Do you know him personally? Do you understand the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of the love of Jesus Christ? I hope you do. But just importantly, does your family? If you do know him, do you have the same desire for your family? Our commitment here at Grace, our desire is to see families succeed. And that commitment will continue to grow 
Because just as God has said, families matter. The idea of blended families. They're families. We can take out blended if we want. How about that? It's a family. But we know that there are those who um, are going through that, know people who are going through that. Um, And so part of our desire here at Grace to see those families succeed. Um, Jim and uh, Tammy Helbling, James and Tammy Helbling, I don't know why I called him Jim, James and Tammy Helbling are going to uh, be doing a small group for blended families. Um, And uh, they'll be starting that, I think, in the fall. Um, But uh, if you want information about that, they're going to be back at the information uh, desk this morning. So I would encourage you to go find them. At the end of the day, blended or not, let's create an environment in our homes where Christ can be known. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for being our father, for being the father of this crazy family we have here at Grace, for being a God of second chances, for being a God who allows um, new families to take place, for understanding us, for being so personal with us, That, that even your son had a stepdad, really, in Joseph. So personal, so concerned with this world that you love. And God, we thank you that there is grace. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for second chances. We thank you for repentance. And we thank you, God, for those parents who are committed to making sure that their homes will be a place where you will be known. We give this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll stand with me as we close with the song together this morning.
guys can be seated. Uh, Christian, you play, play the guitar better than my dad did. So. He actually wasn't very good, and I didn't know that till later. Um, so uh, so uh, we, we've been seeing a lot of growth in this church and a lot of uh, new families desiring to be a part of this church. And just want to remind you that kind of what we've been doing as, as elders and pastors is meeting with these families, hearing their stories, and just getting to know them a little bit better and, and getting, to, getting to know how uh, they became Christ followers and, and um it's just been one of, the, one of the most cool things I've done as a pastor here at Grace is just hearing the different uh, stories. <clears throat> Being a member of uh, Grace means that someone uh, is a Christian. They've accepted Jesus Christ, their Lord and personal Savior, and they've been baptized. Um, and, um, <clears throat> but as a local uh, being a part of grace locally, uh, they're going to choose to obediently follow Jesus. Uh, we'll share life in a local assembly here at Grace and welcome accountability uh, from their church family as we enjoy mutual participation in the gospel. Today we have another such family. We're pretty pumped about it. That's uh, Josh and Autumn Beerbaum. So you guys can come up. So before we publicly affirm them as the newest members of Grace and pray over them with our elders, I want to ask you, Grace, this continuing question that we have to ask as we welcome new members in um, in our church. Will you commit to share life with them, speak truth and love to them, help carry their burdens, and welcome them to do the same for you? If so, say we will. Will you strive to help them be participants in the gospel, not forsake the assembling together, and leverage their time, uh, talents, and treasure to help our church family build a community to reach a community by loving God, loving people, reaching the lost, and making disciples of Jesus Christ for God's glory? If so, say we will. Very good. We're excited to welcome Josh and Autumn Beerbaum as our newest members, so let's give them a round of applause. Josh is very handy, so uh, as a new member of the family, we <laughs> he could get by. So, so we have tons of uh, facility projects for Josh now. So. All right, so and uh, Autumn's going to be working with uh, moms uh, coming up, so uh, they're jumping right in. We're very excited. So, elders would like to ask you guys to come up as we uh, pray and welcome the beer bombs into our family. start without you if you don't want to hurry up. All right, let's pray. Hey, Father God, we are excited about, um, about the family, and we are excited about what you're doing with Grace and uh, its family. And God, we're excited about this family, the Beer Bombs, uh, be, becoming a part of Grace. We look forward, God, to what you are going to do through them, 
We look forward, God, to the ministries that uh, will be done uh, through them. We look forward to uh, those who will be nudged closer to, to your son and to a relationship with you uh, because of their ministry here at Grace. We pray, God, for us as a church family that we will welcome, that we will encourage, and that we will hold accountable uh, this family as, as a part of our family and that we will grow together, uh, mutually desiring uh, to share the gospel with those that we come into contact with and to uh, make sure that the kingdom of God is always on the forefront of our mind and that we do all things together to your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Make sure you catch the beer bombs after church. And then, once again, if you're interested in uh, uh, blended families, uh, help links will be outside the information desk. You guys are dismissed.